Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones. We are part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Andrew Allegretta. He is one of the play-by-play voices for Vanderbilt Athletics. Let's get right to Andrew as we talk some Commodore football and baseball. Andrew Allegretta joins us as he does every week. He, of course, one of the play-by-play voices of Commodore Athletics. Andrew, I hope your fall is going well. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's good to be back. The fall is going just fine. Uh, the 42 to nothing game was less than desirable, but uh, I understand just like all Commodore fans, everything's a work in progress, but we're doing good. Uh, Kev and I are enjoying doing our thing as always. So yeah, things are good. Thanks, Chris. Let's talk football again, the outcome, not what anybody wanted, but is tends to happen in rebuilding programs in mid season, you start to see more young faces and one guy who played a really prominent role was Patrick Smith who led them in rushing 17 carries 74 yards or excuse me 75 yards and frankly had some really good runs in there that I thought transcended the snaps um, or the stats excuse me one of those being the time that he picked up a bad snap in the backfield and probably could have lost 10 or 12 yards and turned it into a one-yard gain. I thought that showed a lot about some ability there. But what were your thoughts on what he did in Gainesville? And, and just I know that you have some other info on him, too, that's kind of interesting. So let's talk about Patrick Smith for a moment. Yeah, for sure. Young man out of New Jersey. Um, you know, I, I think, and I'd be curious your take on this, too. I recognize that Patrick doesn't have – SEC size, right? Like we're not talking about Derrick Henry. In fact, there's only one Derrick Henry. Uh, but he kind of strikes me as someone that has SEC speed. Does he not? He does. And the observation that I made on him in fall camp is he's a little bit of a tweener. And I think that's why he was recruited the way he was. He was the New Jersey player of the year, but the offer sheet didn't probably match that. But he's a guy that you look at and you say, well, the speed, there's probably enough speed for him to make it in the league. It's just going to be the weight. And, you know, what strength and conditioning coaches at FCS programs, or excuse me, FBS programs get paid for is to turn players like that who are, you know, 190 and to say 205, 210 and not lose the speed. And, and to me, that's where the upside is in him. I think you saw that he can play at this level on Saturday, it's just going to be that part to me is going to determine the altitude for him. I would say that and and his ability to add dimensions to his game. If all of a sudden he becomes a great pass catching running back, that's another um, threat for the offense. Uh, his ability to learn how to pick up blitzes. That's another element. His ability to run between the tackles, even if he's not picking up um, 40, 50 yard chunk plays up the middle. Can he be a consistent carrier? Up the middle. Uh, he's got a bright future. Like I, I thought back in the fall, standing there watching these practices with you, that his agility and his quickness were really unique. And, and I thought his speed stood out among his peers, even as a freshman. He had a great game. Um, a lot of those a lot of those carries, I think, took advantage. I was talking with Norman Jordan, our color analyst, about this, too. Um, Florida's defensive ends were, were pinching in quite a bit. Patrick Speed was able to take advantage of that. He stepped outside the tackle box and he got some 
you know, five, 10, 15 yard runs, whatever they happen to be. And he showed himself as someone that can make an impact down the road for this program. And so much of what we're going through at the moment is figuring out the pieces and how they're going to look moving into year two and quite frankly, year three and four for Clark Lee. And and it's not just the Florida game, right, Chris? Because you just said it. I, I think we've seen things from Patrick throughout the course of the entire season that says that guy can be a factor for you uh, by the time that he's a junior, maybe a senior, however it shakes out. Well, let's be honest, too. The defensive lines they're going to play, they probably played the best two they'll see all year in Florida Agreed. and Georgia. I really, I really watched the way Florida played against Alabama a couple of weeks ago, and that was eye-opening to me. I know that the defense wasn't very good a year ago for them, but they've got athletes. I think it has shown um, – South Carolina has played pretty good defense until Tennessee lit the Gamecocks up a week ago. But, you know, Missouri right now can't stop me and you in the running game. And so <laughs> I, I think that there are going to be some answers, some opportunities for him, and frankly, Rocco Griffin, too, if he can stay healthy, that that have not been there in the two SEC games they've played so far. Yeah, Georgia's borderline a wash. Um, I yeah. was listening to Paul Feinbaum um earlier today and yesterday it's it's Georgia's beating teams convincingly with a backup quarterback and if JT Daniels comes back uh, we saw what JT can do uh, firsthand at Vanderbilt Stadium so the Georgia game's almost a wash uh, Florida's really good too so I, I'm, I'm with you on that the Missouri game is an opportunity this weekend against South Carolina is an opportunity even Tennessee is an opportunity uh, Kentucky could be interesting they're obviously playing great football right now but every single week Chris is like figuring out little uh, proofs of concept, as I've been kind of calling it, uh, about the way that this team is going to look in year two, three, four down the road for Clark Lee. And you're looking for those moments where you go, OK, I get where they're driving toward. I think we had moments like that against Florida. We certainly had it against UConn. Um, and Patrick has been a part of it. And again, I'll keep saying it. I don't think it's just the Florida game. I don't think this is uh, reacting to one performance from Patrick Smith and making it more than it is. I think he has shown things on the practice field that that say he can be a factor if if it all comes together appropriately for this team moving forward. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here, uh, although I'm going to lead you into this a little bit. I, I have sure. seen a good old a lot leading of young... question. What do you got, Chris? Come yeah. on, leading question. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's what we're here to do. Um, well, and, I mean, it's not really that. It's I, I want to give you some guys and, and just see who pops to you or, or maybe based on what you've seen in practice in games sure. and project forwards a little bit. But again, when, when you get to this point in the season, when it's not going well, what you have to do is look to the future, right? And we we talked about Patrick Smith, and that's a guy who looks like he can potentially help them for years to come. So you've seen Marcus Bradley. You've seen Devin Lee. You've seen C.J. Taylor, Marlon Sewell, Tyson Russell. Those guys have gotten reps. Uh, Xavier Delphin Castillo has gotten some reps. Quincy, Quincy Skinner has gotten some reps and looked really good in, in fall. So out of that menu of options, and I probably missed one or two in there. I know Arrington Truesdale got some reps last week at linebacker. He played special teams, but then he got on the field as a linebacker. So give me a couple guys that you're really watching maybe to take a step up and have a bigger role down the stretch. 
All right. So the first thing that I'm going to do is tweak the phrasing of something that you said uh, when it's not going Fair well enough. that you that you look toward the future. And I don't I don't disagree wholeheartedly with the idea that what is happening is is building toward something. Um, talked about that a bunch. I think the one slight rephrasing that I would add is you're looking through uh, you're looking to the future through right now, if that makes any sense. Right. I, I keep going back to the idea of you are establishing something right now that pays off down the road. And, um, you know, if it's the trust the process phrase that you want to use that, of course, Coach Corbin has been able to talk about that. You almost turn the scoreboard off and you figure out what you have to do um, with your own job and, and let the scoreboard sort of dictate your own work ethic over the years. I, I think that stuff is is still where this program is. Uh, Coach, uh, Coach Lee said in his press conference that he rejects the result entirely. That's not someone that's just, you know, uh, you know, scrapping the whole season and looking forward to the future. So while I understand where you're, where you're going, I think, I think there's a quick reminder that what happens now, even if it's a loss, still impacts what is able to be built. Now, I think what's the psychology of the whole thing and not to venture too far down a path here, it's it's results <laughs> results help validate the process. So you want for the guys to get the win or get a really close competitive game against Florida because it validates what they're what they're working on now and how it helps down the road, but they're they are somewhat independent of each other because I still think there was moments against Florida in which after that McAllister interception, um they put something in the back of the brain of Florida and Vanderbilt was there in this ball game. Um if if the if the call against Chris Pierce goes a different direction, and I think we all certainly feel that it could, um, that it might be a different ball game. You go into halftime 21-7 and all of these sort of things. So I feel for the guys that don't get the actual results because I, I do think there are moments here that that trend the future into a positive place, and that's not generic guy that calls the games for the team spin. I, I genuinely believe that. Like Like in the same way that I believe the moments against UConn, although it's not good that they gave up the lead. To Clark's point, a different Vanderbilt team folds in that scenario, and they didn't fold. They kept fighting and they got the victory. Um, there are all, all sorts of psychological moments that I think are significant for this team. Uh, as far as guys that go into the future, I think the one guy that maybe you mentioned that, and I don't want to overstep on guys that I don't have a ton of information on, but but one guy that I do know has some intrigue down the road is is Quincy Skinner. Um, he's yeah, got some good sure. speed. Yeah, he's got good speed. I think he can be a good outside wide receiver. I know the coaching staff thinks that. I, I know they like the fact that when he takes the field, he's willing to be aggressive with his blocking too, um, which is a big deal for wide receivers because uh, some of them – not so much. Uh, and I'm not referring to anybody on this team. I'm just talking about the position in general. He's not consistent yet, Quincy. Um, he needs a lot of growth, which is obviously why he's kind of a, a, a second string on the depth chart guy instead of getting the reps now. Uh, but that is someone that in the passing game, you know, with his speed might be able to get some separation downfield, which we, we understand is everything comes together like a puzzle, but getting better separation downfield is, is certainly something that they're looking for from their wide receivers at the moment. So that is a curious name and an intriguing name to keep an eye on. Yeah. If I'm going to plant a flag on four guys right now, and I may be 
leaving somebody out. It's not intentional. This is just, I'm thinking in my head from what I've seen in practice and what I've seen in games when they played, the four guys to me that that pop a little bit above the crowd are probably Patrick Smith, Quincy Skinner. And again, with Skinner, folks haven't seen it in games because they've got some more established wideouts and he's just not playing. But we both saw it in fall camp and many people commented on that. And on defense, I thought that Devin Lee and Marcus Bradley had their moments in fall camp for sure. Uh, especially Bradley was really good in one of the scrimmages. Although, if I'm being honest, you know it may it may have come against second and third teamers. I wasn't that locked in, but I did notice he was making a lot of plays. Those are probably other than Skinner, you know Smith and the two linemen right now are probably seeing the field as much as any of the freshmen. But those are probably the four guys to me that I would would say those are the ones that I'm watching for the future. I don't know if there's another, like a fifth or sixth guy that you would put in that category too, but just off the cuff, those are the four that I, I think are probably the most promising. Yeah, I don't necessarily have anybody else, Chris, but I guess what I would say is I'd, I'd, I'd highlight um, or underscore Devin Lee so far because he's made an impact, right? He's had the opportunity uh, with a couple of, you know, bumps and bruises on that defensive line, specifically with Malik Langham. Um, and, and Devin has stepped up and played well. And I can't remember, there was a play, and I, I wish I I wish I remembered it closer as we sit here now talking, where, where Devin was the factor. I, I, part of me wants to say it was it was the darn um, uh, McAllister interception against Florida. I might be wrong about that. But there was a specific play where Devin was the factor for the result happening which, you know, he doesn't get credit for, but he's the one that blows up the play. Um, and, and his size is his size is intriguing. It's not overwhelming, right? He's 6'3", about 280 as a freshman, but, you know, Malik Langham is 6'5", 290. Davian Davis is 6'2", 285. My point is he's a freshman and has a chance to, to add the weight, add the bulk, add the strength over the course of time, and he's making an impact now. Um, I'll be curious to see if that can't grow into the future. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Well, and, and here's another thing. Um, you know, we're in the business of recruiting rankings uh, over at Rivals, and I, I'm pulling the rankings up as we speak. But you know, the four names we've talked about, three of them were were more than more highly rated guys in, in their class. In fact, according to Rivals, 
Skinner and Bradley were were their two best players in the class, um, followed by John House, the fourth, who's played some. Marlon Sewell is sealing the field, seeing the field more. Uh, Terry on Sujic has seen the field some, although not as much lately. I don't know if there's an injury in play there. Delphin Castillo, their highest rated offensive lineman, he played 29 snaps Saturday. Um, you go down the list, Levin Lee was about ninth or 10th on the list, but he was an Ole Miss commit. I always think that offers from other SEC programs are a good harbinger that you belong in the league. Um, and I think he was an Ole Miss commit at one point. My memory fades, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. So, uh, again, you know, point here is that these are guys that were recognized by the evaluators as good players out of high school. And lo and behold, those are the ones who are popping on the field. Yeah, and, and you know this better than I do because um, I frankly don't know it a bunch. Uh, but I do think Barton has talked about it to an extent, right? Like, you know, the individual ranking – Maybe sort of significant, but collectively being able to to do the most that you can as a class um, certainly matters. And and I know Barton's talked about this. There was there was a quote in an article I think the Athletic did maybe months ago about you know stars do matter. It's just not the the end all be all. And, and I think to Barton's point, uh, the way they're going about recruiting and the thing that's stuck with me the most is like he genuinely believes that there's like a thousand NFL potential type guys every single season in high school football. Um, and what he is okay with is letting a really good recruit go somewhere else. What he's not okay with is bringing somebody into the program that doesn't make an impact. Uh, every person that Vanderbilt brings in has to be able to make an impact. And, you know, we're, we're, and, and, and in fairness to the staff, they've not had a class yet, right? What, like coach Lee was hired, like how many days before the December signing date? Like like three? Yeah, not not so, many. Yeah. yeah, right. So coach hasn't had a class yet. Um, uh, so I, I don't know. I, that's a long-winded way of saying that. I'm, I think I think they've got their heads screwed on appropriately about how to attack this here at Vanderbilt, and I'm curious and interested to watch it unfold. Any more football thoughts before we get into baseball for a moment? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm curious to see the South Carolina game. Uh, I, I really am. I, I think um, I I remember going into the UConn game and just getting worn out about the national narrative uh, for that particular game. Um, I think you could probably say the same thing in an SEC context about this game. Um, two teams, bottom side of their division on the East. I get it, uh, but I think you're going to see just a bucket load of heart and energy uh, because both teams recognize the moment that they have in front of them. And I really do think that for about a quarter, a quarter and a half against Florida, there was a proof of concept for this Vanderbilt team. Can they continue what they built in that chunk of the ball game and take it to South Carolina, a very difficult pace to play. Um, I, I've always kind of thought South Carolina's fan base uh, because they haven't won at the highest level in football almost gets overlooked, but that's a passionate crew. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see the whole thing. I'm curious to see if they can take that chunk of Florida and, and, and use that in the game against South Carolina. It's, it's, it's an interesting matchup with two first-year head coaches, so I, I'm really intrigued by it. Well, you have a little bit of a relationship with Shane Beamer. He just seems like a very likable guy. He has certainly brought some energy 
into a program that, that entered this year in a little bit of a similar spot to Vanderbilt, too, where things were just down, morale was down, clearly it's a rebuild, and, and he's done, I think, a fairly good job so far. I think the talent is going to limit his ceiling, which they're starting to find out, but you know, three wins so far certainly could have gone worse for them. Yeah, so full full disclosure, I like Shane Beamer as a human being. Um, so I was at Virginia Tech from 2011 to 2019. He returned to the staff in 2011 when I was there too. Um, you know, he had obviously made his stops to South Carolina. He was at Mississippi State before that. Uh, but just as like a human and getting to know that family some, um, you know, I, I enjoy him. The story that I always tell that that kind of still brings a smile to my face these days is when I first started at Virginia Tech. Um, it, it's it's absolutely one of my biggest uh, fish out of water moments is I tagged along on some of those. I think people probably call them coach caravan things. Um, Virginia Tech would do three consecutive days um, in three different cities in July. So they would fly down and back every single day. It was, you know, down to Norfolk, Virginia, down to Richmond, Virginia, and then they would drive up to Roanoke, Virginia. I tagged along for uh, the plane ride to Norfolk. And I just remember being in, <laughs> remember being in the plane talking with Shane about some of his recruits, which was goodness gracious. Was he nice and welcoming to a 23 year old that was deeply out of place? But the moment that makes me laugh is I was in the limo on the way back uh, to the airport and Shane was sitting there explaining to his dad, Frank, what Twitter was. And and it was just it, I mean, it's it's 10 years ago. So like you do have to kind of recenter yourself in the fact that Twitter was only, you know, what, four or five years old and wasn't quite as ubiquitous. Uh, but but watching Shane Beamer explain Twitter to his father uh, just was pure, pure comedic gold at its absolute peak back in 2011. Didn't Nick Saban just get email a couple of years ago? I, you know, and 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 to be quite honest, um, I, I don't know when or how or what, but but for the longest time, even even when I was there, um, Frank did not have email either. Um, he had just a wonderful, wonderful secretary uh, that everything flowed through. Um, she was the absolute best, uh, and Frank did not have email for quite some time. And and uh, I'll be honest, at this point, I don't know the status of. Frank's technological knowledge. <laughs> uh, but it was when I got there, it was understandably, it was understandably limited. Yeah. The, these things are priceless sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that that's actually, I don't know that not having Twitter is a bad decision. No, frankly. honestly, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a, it's a great thing. And I'd like to retroactively go back and 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 be Frank Beamer from the no social media standpoint. <laughs> right, right. Uh, coaches, coaches do have to deal with stuff that they didn't have to deal with. Uh, oh my 15, goodness. 20 years ago for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty crazy. Um, hey, let's um, let's talk baseball for a minute. I know you've seen some of the the scrimmages or, or recent scrimmage. You talked to Scott Brown, I think, this week. Just give us some nuggets of what you've seen and picked up on around that program. Yeah, for sure. So for our podcast, The Anchor, uh, last week, Kevin talked with Brooks Webb, obviously the general manager, some so uh, some good notes on the up-and-comers from Brooks. And I talked with uh, Scott yesterday, and that episode will come out tomorrow. Um, you know, it's an interesting season. Um, the, the top 
of the game notes storyline, so to speak, will be how they manage this rotation moving forward. Um, I think there's plenty of talents out there, right? Uh, that would be ridiculous to assert that there isn't talent on this team, but you're you're moving on from generational type players with Kamar and Jack, and, and you're figuring out how it's all going to look. Um, I don't mean to put uh, pressure on this young man, but his name comes up in a lot of conversations. Uh, Carter Holton is very intriguing. Um, you know, I was talking with Coach, and, and not to not to go too far down the path before the interview comes out, but you're, you're talking about a freshman that comes in, got drafted, I think in like the 19th round by the Brewers, maybe I might have the team inaccurate or something like that, but he got drafted, just didn't, didn't sign obviously. Um, and you know, he's sitting 93, 96 as a freshman. Um, that's, I don't know where he fits. I don't know if that's in the weekend rotation. I don't know if that's midweek. I don't know if that's out of the bullpen. Uh, but if you're talking about someone that can come in sitting 93, 96, you're, you're, and, and, and with a level of command of your pitches, um, that's somebody that's going to make an impact. Um, you know, there's, I love it. Here's, here's, here's the one nugget that I walked away and this shouldn't surprise anybody, but it's fun when you see things that you believe underscored. Uh, I was at the scrimmage on, uh, Sunday and you know, they're doing the situational stuff, right? The fourth inning, we're going to start with runners at first and third and one out or whatever it is. Um, Hunter Owen was throwing, he's a sophomore out of, uh, the great and, and boy, do I mean great state of Maine. Um, and he got an inning ending double play and the way that those guys responded, you would have thought this was Omaha. You would have thought this was TD Ameritrade ballpark with the level of energy that they brought, but that's, that's what we know about why the team is so great is because every single moment they're out there competing with passion and the intensity in a fall scrimmage on a Sunday is darn near as high as anything else. And that's why they've been, obviously, I, I don't need to tell people this. It's obviously why they're so, so great. The way that they train is just at another level. Uh, and, and to see that at least for me, uh, in person for the first time was, was great. It, it's just truly remarkable to see that level of energy, on a Sunday afternoon in October, because that's where the greatness starts. Yeah, I think there's a couple things about just seeing the training sessions. And I went to one on Tuesday, and, and you don't you don't walk away with a lot of huge takeaways. But as a as a summer ball coach, uh, a friend of mine relayed a story about their practices. He said it's not just some of the things they do in terms of the drills and stuff. It's like the the frequency. And the methodology of, of which they do them, like I think people sometimes marvel at how much they get done at practice because you got a guy doing this over here and and that over there, and you know some drills they'll they'll manage to squeeze in twice the reps in the same amount of time that, that other programs might. I mean, and, and look, it's Tim Corbin, so of course that's how it's going to go because he's got efficiency down like like almost nobody else. But the other thing is the. <laughs> The, the occasional barbs that you hear uh, and he's got a sense of humor. Like I heard yesterday, I think there was a, uh, a comment made to Enrique Bradfield about back when you weighed 115 pounds, it kind of cracked me up. Um, you, you never know when he's going to drop one of those and, and just kind of lighten the mood too. So even, even when they're not doing much of anything, it, it's kind of interesting to watch. I, I really, really, really enjoyed my first conversation with Scott Brown, too. Like, he's got a large sense of humor, too, which was which was great. Like, it was a, you know, 15-minute interview or whatever it is, but we stay for a little while extra and, you know, catch up because he um, 
he was uh, the head coach of a summer ball team in southern Maine called the Sanford Mainers from 2002 to 2004. And not that there's any remarkable stories here, but you know he's a New York guy uh, from just outside of Syracuse. That's where I went to school, and he coached in Maine, which is where I'm from. Uh, so we had some good conversation, and he's got he's got some of that that sharp biting humor too. So uh, you're you're talking about guys that, from the coaching standpoint, obviously challenge and elevate the play of their student athletes, while also being able to relate to people in this kind of very unique way. Uh, again, I don't need to tell anybody that's watched this program for 15 plus years uh, why they're so good, but at least you know for me personally to to start to get some firsthand experiences of it is 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 wonderful. So um, black and gold series for fans, uh, October 22nd, October 24th, and then if necessary, October 26th. Uh, so that's a Friday at six. It's a Sunday at one and potentially a Tuesday at six. Um, they are off. Uh, Chris, you and I are talking on Wednesday. So they're off tomorrow uh, to North Carolina. They'll take on UNC for a game at the Bosch, Boschmer Stadium on the campus of UNC. Uh, then they'll take on Richmond uh, and Cary, North Carolina. So they've got uh, they've got their fall sprint uh, coming to a conclusion here over the next week or two. Before we move on to a quick mailbag question, anything else uh, regarding baseball or hoops or anything else that you wanted to get to? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, obviously, we're inside a month here for hoops. Um, I and 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 I will. I'll say this just quickly, and then we can move on to not be uh, terribly promotional about the whole thing. But I, I think what what Coach Stackhouse has done from a meet and greet standpoint, now that we can start doing some of those things again over the past month, uh, is just. It's awesome. I mean, he was out there tailgating. I guess it was the Yukon uh, game, right? Like he was the grill master there. Uh, and then they've got the event at Top Golf coming up. If fans are interested in, in just literally playing golf with Jerry Stackhouse, uh, you can do it. Uh, Vucommodores.com. So I, I, um, uh, I'm in. Just color me impressed uh, with some of the marketing and meet and greet stuff that they've done to get the season started. Well, I've got a little bit of a marketing question for you in the mailbag, which is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call. That number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Ann Arbordor says, Andrew, can you confirm that a Vanderbilt broadcast of the baseball exhibition games with UNC and Richmond will be streamed in the app? I'm not seeing those games listed in the schedule app. Uh, so in terms of UNC and Richmond, nothing will be produced on a Vanderbilt side of things. I do not know what North Carolina will do. I do not know what USA Baseball will do, if anything. Um, candidly, knowing the league, the ACC, I'd be a little bit surprised, but I suppose um, a quick search of Google uh, could give you that answer. Now, what I can say is the black and gold series on the 22nd, 24th, and 26th, those will have broadcasts. Kevin and I will do a couple of them. There's one that Kev can't do, but I'll be here. So um, we will have we will have audio broadcasts of those both on uh, 95.9 here in town plus the VU Commodores app. So uh, again, six on the 22nd, one on the 24th, and then if necessary, sixth on the 26th. Uh, those games will all be produced um, for audio broadcast from us. Yeah, I had a talk with someone over there yesterday. I'm not very optimistic that Richmond will have anything, and I don't think 
that I know of any plans for UNC. So maybe yeah. that changes. Yeah. I'm like you with, with the high profile baseball program like that and, and Vanderbilt coming to town. You, you think that they might want to. I'm sure they've got the resources, but I, I don't know that that is planned anywhere. Yeah, and, and I'm not. I'm not. At least taking, not that I know. I'm, no, I'm not. I'm not really taking a dig at North Carolina. I just, I, 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 you know, was in that league for eight years, and I, I think, I, I it's so funny. Like, um, North Carolina has a great, great baseball program, and they've got good baseball fans. Um, you know, uh, there, it's football season, um, and basketball season's right around the corner. Um, they've got resources, but. I, I don't, it's not like crazy unlimited resources and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, if they did something small, I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I certainly don't think there's anything. I, I don't know. Again, I, I don't, I don't want to overstep. It's, it's, they do a great job with a lot of things there, but, but in the ACC baseball doesn't have the same, um, pop as it does in the SEC when it comes to fall baseball. Um, I recognize that fall baseball is significant here at Vanderbilt uh, it doesn't it doesn't carry in the ACC the same way that it does in the SEC. And I don't I don't exactly know why. I guess maybe I'd hunch the fact that basketball is is so significant and everybody's getting geared up for basketball in October. Uh, but I you know, that's the best guess that I've got. Uh, you would at least think that some of these schools with the enormous athletic budget, I mean, if nothing else, just throw a webcam out there and, and run a live stream, even if you don't have a broadcaster. I mean, I, I don't think it's that hard, but I mean, it's not, like you said, it's not that uncommon, right? That, that people uh, approach it the way they do. And, and, and it's not negativity toward baseball or anything. I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to put you in the mindset of, of the schools that, Oh, that oh, I, was I know. So, I mean, I've, yeah, uh, you, you go years, to games and stuff, other yeah. places, it, it's, it's different than it is in the SEC. Yeah. There, there's, there's absolutely nothing like SEC baseball and it's nothing like SEC football, nothing like SEC baseball. Um, yeah, like the ACC fa uh, fan bases in baseball is it's fine. Like there's a couple of places where it's really great. Uh, but for most places, baseball is still the third sport at best. Um, whereas, you know, certainly for some SEC schools, it's, one or two or whatever, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, you know, I, I, I could talk to you like Pitts, Pittsburgh, ACC baseball doesn't exactly move the meter in the steel city. So it, it's just a different, it's a different mindset. Uh, there's great, there's great play that comes out of their, that league. There's great coaches in that league. It's a very, very, very good league. Um, it, it's just the, the, the mental makeup of the ACC for baseball just it doesn't match the mental makeup of the SEC. Uh, but what does, right? Nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> I've been told Andrew, it thank more. you. Yeah, it, it, I've heard that it does mean more. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, hey, thanks for joining us today. You've been a great guest. And tell folks how they can find your, your broadcast info and everything that you guys want to put out there for this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Everything's always available. Viewcommodores.com. We certainly appreciate everybody that um, started following along with the Anchor podcast. Uh, I know there's plenty of Vanderbilt Commodore podcasts, including this fantastic and fine one right here. Uh, but, um, you know, we're having a good time talking about things and trying to get people as many um, kind of inside the walls type guests as we can get. So the Anchor podcast is Apple, Spotify. Uh, just included on VU Commodore's Facebook page as well. So you can uh, listen to it in the app. And I guess there's um, 
it's kind of cool here. I was, I was told that things that <laughs> things that I don't know, but I'm learning. I've been told that if you listen on the Facebook app, you can actually clip and share little pieces of that podcast uh, if you would like as well. Uh, so if there's something that piques your interest or whatever, you can kind of share it out there. But as always, we'll have our coverage from South Carolina across the Vanderbilt Sports Network, which includes the BU Commodores app streaming on that starting at 1.30 Central Time uh, for the Doors and the Gamecocks. I am genuinely looking forward to that football game. Uh, it, it's not... That's not making light of anything that's happened previously. Um, I, I, I think there has been building blocks laid by Vanderbilt, and I'm curious to see how it goes against South Carolina. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks. Talk soon, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.